0: Wholeness has also been about embracing. I mean, I think there used to be a lot of things about myself that I didn't like. And I remember vividly times when I would say like, I hate myself, I don't love myself. I can't imagine ever saying I love myself. And it has taken me a good decade of work to get to the point where I'm like, I really like who I am as a person. I like really genuinely love myself and I don't always treat myself that way, but I want to. And I know I deserve to be treated with like deep love and deep compassion by myself and by others. And I think that is a part of um, wholeness, is like seeing myself as worthy of that. Um, And if you are someone listening to this, who's like, that's not possible for me, I promise you, like it, it felt that way to me.
1: Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Join me, your host, Samantha Nagel, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, poet, witch, and work in progress for grounding meditations, inspiring interviews, and reflections about spirituality, holistic health, and the world around us. Join in every Thursday as we explore what empowered spirituality means to us in today's world. I am joined now with Kelsey Mech. Kelsey, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. Me too. Um, And I just found out before we pressed record, I just told you that we have a lot of mutual friends online. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was so wild that this space can be so small, but yet like all over the world.
0: Yeah. It's always, it's always funny how,
1: how many connections there are even on the internet. I know, right? I think mm-hmm. I saw something that said we're only five degrees of separation away from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's Such a small world. right? You know. Um, So before we dive in any deeper, I'm going to go ahead and pull a card for us. Mm-hmm. So the card could be for me or for you or for both of us, for the conversation or just for anyone mm-hmm. listening, including your future selves when this comes out. I'm going to pull this one. Ooh, I think this is very fitting for today. It's hematite, which is purpose is the Mm -hmm. affirmation. The energy center is root and it gives us, gives grounding and clarity of thought. It is clearing and protective from negative energy and it's playful. And I know being playful is something that you focus on. I love that. Cool. Thanks for pulling that card. You're Mm. welcome. Does that resonate with you? Purpose, clarity, playfulness, Mm -hmm. I think
0: that's a lot of what I'm exploring in my life right now. So it'll be so interesting to listen to this when it comes out in a couple of months and, <laughs> and reflect back on how that went.
1: Yes, I know, well, right? We, yeah. I know mm-hmm. your, your past self usually has some wisdom for your future. self. Mm-hmm. So yeah. cool. Well, yeah, let's actually start with creativity and playfulness. That's how I became to know your work um, mm-hmm. was through your work with, Was it creative coaching or creative business coaching or both?
0: Yeah, so I do. I mean, that's most of the one-on-one work I do now is actually business coaching, um, usually for sort of creative online entrepreneurs of some sort, whether they're coaches themselves or more creative types or whatever it might be. Um, And so that's the the primary focus of my one-on-one is basically supporting individuals who run their own businesses, who are artists to do things a little bit differently than the sort of normal capitalist structures that we operate within and find ways to bring more joy and easefulness um, and intentionality into the work that they do.
1: Yeah. Wow. I love that so much. And I love that you're merging these two things that we've kept really separate, like Ease and playfulness and creativity with like structure and logistic planning and marketing or whatever. Like I love that you're finding a bridge between those two and and saying that they don't have to be as separate as we've made them.
0: Yeah, I really don't think they do. I mean, are the capitalist systems we operate within tell us that work needs to look a certain way and it needs to be really rigid and we need to be exhausted and pushing ourselves beyond what our body is actually capable of? And there are lots of people who are in jobs where that is still absolutely required of them. So I just want to acknowledge like it's a huge privilege to have my own business and to be able to be flexible and I want to, as much as possible, use My positionality within that to create change for others as well. But for those of us who are running our own businesses, who do have space, I think it's actually really important that we like push the envelope on these things and really try and do things differently so we can start creating ripples in the structure. Um, Because I do think that work can be more easeful, more playful, more enchanting than we've been told and sold it should be. Parts of it are still going to suck, right? Like there are parts of my job okay. that I'm like this, I just, have. no one loves doing their taxes, right? Like, <laughs> But um, I think that when we can come to it from a place of more possibility, it it feels a lot lighter and, um, and there is more potential for us to thrive within that as well, rather than just survive.
1: Mm, I love that. And you're so right. There is privilege of being able to have your own business and kind of create mm-hmm. your own schedules. And also the like model for being an entrepreneur is like hustle, 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 and push and don't sleep. So I think it is important to focus on how can we transform those spaces and maybe that can create a ripple effect, like you said.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, the focus of my work has, when it comes down to it, I guess really does focus on supporting individuals to create changes in their own life with the broader intention then of creating more possibility for the greater whole and the greater good as well.
1: Oh, I love that. And I've also found with clients too and myself that just awareness, even if we can't change anything, like I worked with someone and she was like, I can't like not work on my period or something, or mm-hmm. I can't not work the entire season of winter. Yeah. Um, but she was aware that like, it was gonna be a little bit harder or that she was gonna be a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. And so she had to do the same things but that, that awareness like brought that sense of compassion.
0: like a little bit more
1: ease and compassion. Yeah. yeah. yeah,
0: And understanding for herself or ourselves in similar situations. Absolutely. And I think one thing I like to always share is that, um, you know, as someone with greater privilege I also have more wiggle room, right? Like I do, I have more flexibility. I could just not work on my period. I could take the winter off. I don't, but like I could if I really wanted to sort of push the envelope. Um, And so I think really honoring like those of us who do have some more wiggle room, like how can we start playing with and shifting those dynamics even more and getting even more uncomfortable? How can we start having more uncomfortable conversations? How can we start um, like talking about these things more and more publicly and in bigger and bigger and edgier and edgier spaces? Because there's a lot of people with a lot less wiggle room who can't take those risks or who can't take those breaks. And so really thinking about like, how can I use my my privilege in the space that I do have um, to create change for myself and also find ways to like create that space for others who maybe don't have that, that same amount of like wiggle room right now.
1: Yes. Oh, what a great point. I love that you're not only focusing on how to have a better work-life balance for yourself and for your clients, but also how to create like a sense of normalcy. And um, like you're pushing yourself, well, not pushing yourself to be uncomfortable, but you're embracing a little bit of discomfort along the way so that maybe you can normalize some things for others. Yeah. I mean, that's the intention. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. Well, it really is amazing how just helping ourselves realize that Mm-hmm. Or when we can make a shift, we can also help like one other person make a shift mm-hmm. and they'll help one other person totally. make a shift. Like it yes. feels like a small thing, but a lot of the times it has a big ripple effect.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, my, so many of my interests, so many of the changes I've been able to create for myself have come from seeing other people in similar positions, make those shifts themselves. And that's sort of given me the permission to go, Oh, yeah, like, why am I buying into this hustle culture? I can be doing things differently, at least as much as I can, or some of the time. That's not to say I, like, just so we're clear, the voice of internalized capitalism and patriarchy and ableism is still alive and well within me. It's like a battle every day to, to try and ins- stay focused on my values instead of those systemic values. But um, really what's like paved the way for me to do that is seeing other people I'm close to explore that differently. And so I think there is a huge ripple effect, right? And then I know now I'm supporting clients to do things differently. Other people are just like looking at me doing things differently and going, oh yeah, I can do that too. And then they start to shift. And so it does matter. Like what we do individually does impact beyond us. And yes, we need bigger system change too. But if right now the only role you can play in that is starting to create some
1: even small shifts for yourself, that can be radical too. Yeah. I think we get so overwhelmed with like, there are these huge systems that me as Sam cannot like change very much Mm -hmm. or like, I don't have that much of an impulse or, um, you know, sway or something. Um, but like, I can start really small, but I think when we focus on those big systems, which is important, Mm -hmm. we can get overwhelmed and feel like, well, I might as well not do anything. So it's nice Mm -hmm. to realize like, you can start on the individual level and then go from there.
0: Yeah. And I would add, like, even if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I don't really care about big system change. I think capitalism is awesome. Everything should stay the same. Um, I don't want to be political. Like that's okay. But some of these changes of like living a little bit more seasonally, giving ourselves more rest, like you need those things regardless of whether or not you want to be political, like learning to take better care of ourselves, within these systems is necessary for us to like be well and be sustainable and be thriving individuals. So Mm -hmm. even for those of you who are like, I don't really care about big system change. I think this conversation is really important because we just need to learn to tend to ourselves better regardless and to like connect to ourselves and our intuition and our bodies and our playfulness and our creativity and all of these things I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, even just for our own sake.
1: Mm, I love that clarification. Um, And I feel like that's a good Like a good way to distinguish it maybe is like toxic internalized capitalism. If Mm. you don't feel like capitalism needs to go away. Or same with masculinity. Like Mm -hmm. we need masculinity, but we don't need toxic masculinity. Like it totally feel like that Sure, Yeah. Yeah. Is good. Let's go. We can make up words. Yeah, we're (laughs) podcasters. We can do this. Oh, that's funny. I love that so much. What was your journey like if you want to share? Um, like what was your journey to embracing that cyclical way of working and living?
0: Yeah, uh long. <laughs> so I'll try and I'll try and give the short version. Um basically, so for me in my like late teens, early 20s, I struggled a lot with anxiety, depression, pretty severe panic attacks. Um, mostly in reflecting back. I can see that was because of how hard I was pushing myself because of the expectations of I was putting on myself and that were put on me by my culture and by the university I was going to and by my family and by et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I didn't see that at the time. I just saw like, I'm wrong. I'm broken. There's something wrong with me that can't keep up with all of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just like lived a lot of my life, honestly, probably until the last like or five years feeling like I was like messed up in some way that there was something wrong with me for not being able to keep up and I got my undergrad and worked in environmental studies um, doing like social justice organizing work for a while and just found I was like really struggling with the job I was in Um, and so I ended up pivoting because of my own mental health stuff into exploring mental health and becoming getting a master's in counseling psychology and becoming a trauma therapist. Um, and then again, I like got a job, which I love the work. I love the clients I worked with, but the structure it was in was really toxic, like a very intense sort of Uh, It wasn't corporate, but it felt like that kind of like corporate nine to five, push, push, push beyond your capacity. And within a few months, I was like really not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I ended up pulling the plug on that and I had no plan B. So I just started my own private practice and my business has grown from there. But for me, my interest in all this has really come from those experiences of reckoning with some of the systems, whether it was like university or work culture um, that made me feel like I couldn't keep up. I wasn't good enough and starting to realize like wait is it actually me that's the problem here like am i or am i just anxious and just overwhelmed because of how much is being demanded of me and how many expectations i'm carrying and so i've really started to shift my work into that lens of exploring not how do we just like cope with and deal with and like survive in these systems and push ourselves like put coping mechanisms in place so we can push ourselves harder let's not do that. Let's just go actually, like, how can I meet myself where I'm at within this and examine how the bigger system is making me feel kind of unwell because I'm pushing myself so hard, um, or because X, Y, Z, and instead just like meet myself where I'm at and give myself the care that I need. And seeing that as the path to, uh, like mental and emotional wellness, rather than just like fixing quote, unquote, fixing our anxiety or fixing our depression. Um, Because I think really seeing ourselves as enough and seeing ourselves as not broken and seeing the systems for what they are is like really critical to us feeling good and well again.
1: Oh, I love that. I love reframing the narrative of like, I'm, there's something wrong with me. I'm fucked up. I'm broken to like, maybe I'm reacting as anyone would to a system that doesn't treat me very well. And that I can't, I literally can't thrive in anymore. Yeah, it's so important. I'm actually, this is like kind of not super
0: public yet, but like I am, I mean, it's fine. You can share it on the podcast, but I'm working on a, a book behind the scenes that like tackles all of these issues. Um, so it's like my favorite thing in the world to talk about.
1: Yeah. Oh, how exciting. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: On the low key. On the
1: low key. <laughs> oh, how cool. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that you can like have a business doing and talking about the things that you love? Mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I feel I like mean, I had, Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say it's not without its bumps, just a little disclaimer, but yes, it is very cool.
1: Yes. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to say that I feel like I had a similar path, but as you, that I was like very perfectionism oriented mm-hmm. and especially like in high school and college, like really pushed myself to be a go-getter and achieve Mm -hmm. a lot because Mm -hmm. the more you achieve, the better you are and the more worthy you are. Um, And I actually just shared this in the episode with Ellen that came out two Mm -hmm. weeks ago, um, that I like felt like I lost my edge and felt like Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing enough because I slowed down and then pivoting and saying, oh, that's not my voice. That's the voice of capitalism or colonialism, as you said.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so critical to like you, like you said, I think at the beginning to just start building that awareness and like asking ourselves those questions of like, is this my voice? Whose voice is this? Because I mean, you get to decide what your values are and what's important to you and maybe achievement and success in certain ways are really important to you and that's fine, but we need to ask ourselves those questions and get really, really discerning about what's mine and what's, someone else's or the broader system. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I know for myself, I always believed that this, the way that it is must be right because it's the way that I've always known Mm -hmm. it to be, Mm -hmm. but it's like, hasn't been that recent, uh, like in the like span of all humanity and the span of the earth. Like we just kind of decided this super recently that we were going to be like this. So it doesn't have to be like that either. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, what's I was actually telling you about this on the other podcast I was doing this morning about like recognizing, you know, as soon as we can like step outside of this very short-term couple hundred year time span thinking of like capitalism, there are, and that's not to say these other, other models that have existed in history have not also been flawed and violent and oppressive to certain people, but there are lots of clues and ideas about other ways we could be interacting with nature and interacting with each other and building community that have already existed. And I'm sure there are, Amazing ideas that have not yet existed that also could exist. Um, and so I'm so glad you pointed that out that like this is not the way it has always been or the way it always has to be. This is like a pretty small little microcosm in time in the span of human history, um, which, I mean, we created it so like we can theoretically uncreate it or create something different.
1: right. Yeah, it might not be as easy as like me and you going out and doing it, but like in <laughs> no. very like, people just created this, people could decide to change their minds.
0: Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And again, this does not mean we're suggesting like you listener tomorrow (laughs) change the system, but I think it's important to like continue to plant that seed and even just hold space Mm -hmm. for the the tr- the truth and the possibility that like, yeah, if we, if we really were collectively all interested in creating something different, we could like, that is possible. And so saying like, oh, it's never going to change is not actually a, a helpful thing to say. Instead we can say, okay, I don't have the capacity to change it, but I believe mm-hmm. that like collectively we do.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Oh, this is exciting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You said something that I want to come back to, which was like talking about the voice. Is that my voice? Is that my Mm. values? Or is that the voice of this internalized system? How do you start to parse out what's your voice and what's that internalized voice? Yeah.
0: So this is actually the resource I was going to share at the end, but I'll share it now and I can come up with something else. (laughs) Um, But I love this activity. I've started getting to people to do this a lot. And um, I think it's a really great starting point when you're sort of trying to muddle through this and, and just like see very clearly what's yours and what's not yours. Mm. And so what I'll get people to do is like divide a piece of paper down the middle into like two sections. And in the left-hand column, I get them to write, um, capitalism's values or like colonialism's values, the system's values. And so usually when we do that, you generate things like inequality, right? Like that's a value of capitalism, Uh, wealth, disproportionate wealth often, Um, passivity as kind of like just like being passive consumers, consumption. Um, What else? I don't know. Kind of whatever you can come up with that's like, this is a value of the system. And then I would suggest like looking at that and going, are there any values here that I actually want to have? And, and some, there might be like maybe progress or productivity is a value that's actually really important to you. And that's Mm -hmm. fine. That's up to you to decide. Um, but then you want to look at that list and go, okay, are there any values here that I have internalized that I know I believe, but I don't want to believe, right? Like, do I kind of have some internalized, um, ableism, right? Or is there some internalized sense of inequality that like some people should have more access than others? Or am I living in that way? Like when I really get honest with myself about those questions, it's deeply uncomfortable. Cause I'm like, oof, like I do deep down carry a lot of this. Right. And then once people have kind of like done that, I would, I encourage them to, or go through the process of writing out a list of their values. And so on that right-hand column, writing out everything that they, actually want to value. So for me, that's things like connection and community and Mm -hmm. um, compassion for myself, radical self-care, love, joy, creativity, integrity, Mm -hmm. and something about just like seeing those two lists written out separately Mm -hmm. and seeing how, when we make choices that continue to like rigidly uphold and abide by the systems of capitalism, patriarchy, colonialism, colonialism all these things, we're literally choosing those values. Mm-hmm. And when we can like look at that and go like, oh my God, like I'm choosing this list of values that probably most of us like 80% at least disagree with mm-hmm. um, and prioritizing those values over my own internal intrinsic values, that can be like a really, I mean, kind of startling, shocking, uncomfortable moment Um, but also a really good motivator to like start examining this.
1: Yes. And I love that you pointed out that this is uncomfortable. Um, so uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, because it is. And I think there's a sense of maybe shame that can come up too of like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, am I an awful person because of this? And it's, of course you're not like, of Mm -mm. course you believe that. Um, I think what's so special about this practice is that you can be vulnerable, um, and maybe like even find a, com- a community or a support network of people who are also trying to unlearn those things would be totally. probably very helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, community is one of the most important things that we need to reclaim because yeah. one of capitalism's values is individuality, is like us going it alone, us doing everything alone, us achieving everything alone. And that's not how it has to be. Like we as humans thrive on belonging and community and collaboration. And so that's something that, you know, even just that little piece of it is really worth examining and something I've been working on a lot in my own life, in my own business. Like I was very much bought into this idea that like I'm going to go it alone. I'm going to be a solopreneur. I'm going to like, you know, do my own thing. And there's nothing wrong with that if that feels good to you. But that hasn't been feeling great to me. And so this is kind of happening behind the scenes. And by the time the podcast airs, maybe we will be more public. But um, as we're speaking right now, I'm sort of actually going through a pivot where I'm still going to keep a few things that I do, like my one-on-one therapy clients in my own business. But a lot of my work is actually becoming a collaboration with a good friend of mine, um, and we're doing we're running our businesses together instead because we don't want to do it alone anymore. And um, that's been really uncomfortable for me because there's a part of me that's like screaming that I have to hold on to control and I have to hold on to, and I'm going to not make as much money if I share it and blah, 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 blah. And so I'm leaning into this discomfort of going, yeah, but my values are community and my values are collaboration. And if I really want to lean into my values, I have to do the uncomfortable thing of doing this differently and doing this with someone else and I'll feel better and I'll feel more well. And I'll also have a lot of fear come up and that's
1: okay. Yeah. Well, I want to touch on that more deeply, but first Mm -hmm. I wanted to say about the list. Um, not only can shame come up, but I feel like something important to address too, is that like, if I were to make that list, there would be so much on the capitalism, colonialism, ableism side that benefits me. And so Mm -hmm. Part right. of that is, is yes. realizing my, the fact that I benefit and the fact that yeah. I would benefit less if it weren't like that. And also sitting with that, like discomfort as well. It's yeah. Hard too. Super hard. Yeah. Really important to name that. Thank you. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, when I love what you shared about community, I had heard this on, I think it was Jay Shetty's podcast. I don't okay. know if you've ever heard of him, mm-hmm. but he was saying that um, there's like this, Glorified thing about being a self made mm-hmm. business owner, self made man, self made person. Yeah. Um, and he said, even if you were to do it all alone, quote unquote, the food you're eating was still grown by someone else. The cars mm-hmm. you're driving were still made by someone else. The road you're driving on was made. Like you'll never, ever be a self made person, even if you mm-hmm. really wanted to be totally yeah and I mean like all of these ideas I'm sharing
0: I have learned from someone else I like try and give credit where it is due and it's like right now just like an amalgamation of a million different things I've been thinking about but like they've all been inspired by other people it's not like anything I'm saying here is new or mine or novel right like it's based on the learning that I've gleaned from so many people and I'm like happy to reference some of those people um at any point or give you a list of folks to check out but um I think that's like really important that, yeah, no, no, no one is, no one is really self-made. Um, yeah. and the, yeah, I mean, I think we, we, there's this idea in our society that will, um, receive more like praise or accolades if we go out alone. Um, and maybe that's true. Maybe that is true. Like maybe people are more impressed if you're a self-made person But even so, is that worth doing it that way? For me, no, not anymore. Um, And again, these are all things you can make your like individual decisions around, but really coming back to that question of like, is this my value
1: or is this the value of the society? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Oh, I actually had a question. (laughs) I have so many questions. I don't know where to start. Um, I'm gonna save that second question and do this one first. Great. Um, you mentioned community and how important community is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that comes up on every, every episode, which is so beautiful. And I always mm. ask, how do you recommend folks find community slash how did you find community? Yeah, it's hard.
0: So I just want to like be honest about that, that it's yeah. not, I think, especially, especially as adults, it's like, it can be really hard to find friends and find our people. Um, I mean, I've struggled with that moving even like geographically during COVID moving back to the town I grew up in, even though I knew a couple of people here only now, two years later, am I starting to actually like find my people. So I just want to name it's It's not, it's not something that's just going to happen overnight and that doesn't mean not to do it. So for me, community has, it's taken me a few years to like really intentionally build a community that feels super nourishing to me. Um, that has been a combination of joining like online communities, um, that are similar to my values. So, um, actually at the time of recording, this will not be, this will be just sort of like wrapping up, but previously I, I ran a membership community, which was like a great way to bring together people of like-minded values. Um, I've also joined other people's online communities and that's where I've met a lot of, a lot of folks that I continue to maintain relationships with. So if you're looking for a place to start, um, joining a community. The one that I do offer right now is called Coven of Creativity. And it's a place where anyone who's interested in becoming more creative can come. We run a season in the spring and there'll be one starting again in late September in the fall. Um and we basically walk you through like a whole creative project from like a really um both like easeful and intentional all the sort of non-capitalist things we've been talking about here um but also in the community. Um, and it's like honestly, I fangirl over the people who join all the time because it's just like incredible people doing like such cool stuff. Um, and some people they do it for their full-time job and some people it's just like side projects. So everyone is welcome. So online communities have been fantastic for me. Um, and being patient with it, right? Like maybe I'll join one community and I'll kind of find one person and, and, and you also have to take risks. Like, We're all looking for more people. And so I think so often we want others to like be the first to reach out to us. And yes, that feels good and lovely, but we do need to be willing to like take that initiative ourselves sometimes. Um, And so if you see someone in an online space, you're like, oh, they seem really cool. I'd love to have a connection with them. Reach out, just be like, hey, it seems like we line up on a lot of things. I'm really interested in what you're doing. Do you want to hop on a Zoom call? That is like the nicest thing to receive. So you're giving that person a gift and you're getting your needs met. Um, in terms of in-person community, I mean, I think that's really important too. And it's hard, but like, again, it's just like going to places where you might meet people that are in like going to the farmer's market, going to a yoga class, going to a community event, um, stepping outside of your comfort zone. Like I recently joined a small theater company here on Salt Spring and we'll be in a theater production at the end of July. And like, that's something that I've always wanted to do, and I've always been too afraid to do. Um, and I did it, and now I'm meeting like amazing people there. Um, thinking, yeah, of like outside of the box ways that you might find people that you can connect with, and and being willing to put in the time and not expecting that like community to build overnight. Because it's taken me years to get to the point where I like feel like I have a really solid set of friends and supports that I can like have these very real deep and honest conversations with both in person and online. um That was a really long, rambly answer. I'm so
1: sorry. Oh no Oh no. I often start speaking and then forgot like what I was even trying to say by the totally. End the
0: yeah. Brevity is like not my strong suit. So.
1: <laughs> especially with clients I'll like get I think the other day I used a like Nacho cheese metaphor. Oh, I love a good the good metaphor. And it was like yeah crock like, pot. And then I was like, I don't know. I don't know, what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, back to you. <laughs> That's so real. Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah. yeah i love that you highlighted about community too that um that it's okay to start online like Mm -hmm. i think during the pandemic or like the start of the pandemic rather i felt really like weird about online like oh that's not real or like (laughs) I don't know um but it is real and it's like much nicer sometimes to have it in person but sometimes it's not available to us because of the region or because there's a global pandemic happening um and like online's a great way to start that
0: totally I mean full disclosure the person so Azalea Moen is um now a good friend of mine and now my business partner but like initially we met in one of these online communities and we do happen to live in the same province so we like occasionally visit each other but like primarily our relationship is online and now we're starting starting a business together we're like we talk multiple times a week we're like very close friends um and that all started a couple years ago from just like being in an online community where we met so you never know what's going to like come out of these people that you connect with and um And, and sometimes it takes like years for that to go from like random person I met to some other connection to like, oh my goodness, look what's happening now. Um, so just being open to like the possibility and, um, and being courageous enough to like, just start somewhere. Right. And you might not find, like, I've been in so many spaces online where I'm like, oof, this isn't quite the right space for me. Okay. I'll try another one. Um, and sometimes it does take that right. Like trying both in-person and online, trying and trying and trying, um,
1: Definitely. which can be
0: dishar- discouraging and can be hard, but like your people are out there. I
1: promise you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I feel like you have to go on, just like you go on bad dates, you go on totally. bad Zoom calls, you go on yeah. weird coffee dates and mm-hmm. like sometimes some of them work out. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love that answer. Um, The other question I had, I mean, I have many, but <laughs> the next one I had um, was like the voice of discomfort, right? Mm-hmm. So it's uncomfortable to lean into vulnerability or to looking at our values um, and other things. How do you like differentiate that feeling of discomfort? Like, hmm, I don't know how to phrase this. Mm-hmm. What's healthy discomfort and what's sure. discomfort yes. that's trying, that's warning you about something, I guess, mm-hmm. like intuition. Mm-hmm. Does
0: that make sense? It does. It does. This is actually something I get asked all of the time is like, yeah, just distinguishing, um, anxiety from intuition and also yeah. Healthy discomfort from like too far. So there's a few different ways of looking at this. Um, the one sort of model is, um, looking at sort of what we call the, um, the there's like these three different zones, right? So there's your comfort zone in the center, which is things that you're totally comfortable with are very useful for you, very comfortable, no problem, no stress. And then the second zone out from that is the learning zone or the growth zone, depending on who illustrates this model. Um, And this is where you're probably uncomfortable. You're like, um, maybe noticing like a bit of sort of that tension in your chest or like a bit of a pit in your stomach, but you're still grounded. You're still able to like rationally think through things. You're still able to like laugh and you're uncomfortable, but you can still like, you're still safe. Right. This is where we most grow and learn. And it's uncomfortable, but it's safe. And then beyond that is something called the danger zone. And this is when we're starting to actually get dysregulated. So it might feel like really severe anxiety, panic. It might feel like shut down. This is fear. This is when we have pushed so far out of our comfort zone, past our learning zone that we're in danger and we can't learn here. And so if there are things that you're exploring that are like triggering past trauma or really activating you intensely that's not going to be helpful Um, but if you can just like dip your toe in the water of these conversations and go okay this feels uncomfortable but i'm still grounded i'm still like safe one one cue for that is like if you are yeah if you're able to like look around your room while you're having these conversations or reading about a certain topic and like see all your surroundings clearly and not feel like your sort of vision is like closing in you're probably uncomfortable, but not unsafe. And so that's one thing to distinguish sort of on, on that spectrum. But I also do think what you said is true that like sometimes the discomfort can can feel similar to like, oh, don't go here, this is, this is bad. Right. Like our intuition telling us not to. And I would say, um, it can be hard to tell the difference, but like most of the things we're talking about today are not real threats. We're talking about having conversations. We're talking about examining our values. We're talking about um, confronting through like research or learning um, things that are maybe really uncomfortable or even alarming or shocking. None of that is a real threat. And by a real threat, I mean like someone could harm you. Um, I guess in a conversation, someone could harm you. But if you're doing this work alone, there's no like real threat it might feel threatening, it might feel scary, but that's a perceived threat. And so just being really honest with yourself, like, am I avoiding this because I'm actually in some sort of danger? Mm. And if it's just you writing a list of values, you can remind yourself, like, there's no danger here. I'm just really uncomfortable because this is hard. And give yourself full permission to like dip your toe in the water and then stop, right? You don't need to like dive into this. Yeah head first, if it's feeling really overwhelming, you can just go, okay, I'm gonna look at this for like a minute and then back out and go do something and distract yourself. Um, That's really important too, because if we take on too much too fast, it can become dysregulating and it can become even traumatic. Um, And so we need to just like dip your toe in the water and dip it out and dip a little deeper and dip it out instead of like flooding yourself with all of the information all at once.
1: Yeah. And I'm assuming like your spaces of coaching and therapy would be so great for that because you have whatever you offer like an hour a week or every other week or a group. Mm -hmm. that's like a container to dip your toe in so that you're not expecting yourself to like be in the swimming pool all day, every day.
0: (laughs) Totally. And I think, I mean, therapy for sure, because a lot of the work I do is around sort of some of these elements of trauma and whatnot. It can feel a little bit heavier, but in my coaching work with, folks who are wanting to develop businesses and structures that start to like shift some of these models, we're also like really focused on what we can create and what we can envision for ourselves and what we can do differently. And so of course there's that discomfort, but I think the discomfort is only one piece of this, right? Like, yes, there's the discomfort in seeing all this for what it is and trying to do kind of hard, scary things of creating those shifts, but There's also everything that's on the other side of that. There's like more ease and more play and more time for connection. And so also like those are all resources that we want and that can also help us to tolerate the discomfort of the fear and the anxiety of like doing our work in the world or doing things differently. And so really also like finding a balance between those two sides is critically important because we need the like playfulness and the light in order to like deal with, the hard stuff.
1: Mm, that's so true. I love that so much. And just as a side note, I think it's really cool that you do coaching and therapy. Like, I think those are two really cool offerings to have that allow you to be really supportive in this space.
0: Yeah, it's fun. And I mean, to be honest, especially, I'm sure, you know, this as like a business owner yourself. So much personal stuff comes up when we're like trying to run our own businesses. <laughs> um, and it yeah, it, it brings up a lot because it is really personal and we're like using our own voice in the world. And we kind of like are kind of our own brand to a certain extent. And so emotional stuff always comes up in like business coaching work anyway. So it's been really nice for me to have that therapy background. So I can like, while business coaching is not therapy, I can like hold some space for that stuff as it comes up because it inevitably does.
1: Yeah. Right. And that's like what we were talking about towards the beginning that Like, it's okay for business to feel emotional. That's okay. That doesn't mean you're weak. Totally. No. Or that you're doing anything
0: wrong. I mean, starting this business, running this business has been probably one of the most rewarding things I've done. And it's been one of the most difficult, right? Like, it's not easy. And it's not even meant to be easy. Like, it's going to be hard sometimes. It's going to feel sticky sometimes. Like, that's okay. That doesn't mean you're wrong or bad or you're doing anything wrong or bad it's work. It's hard. It can also be fun and great and joyful and all of these other things, but like there will be hard times and that's okay. And so we just need to create the structures and systems and support and resources to like sustain us through all of that because it's, it's a ride.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I actually really love that you said that because well, for lots of reasons, but I feel like we hear about ease and softness and living slowly And that sounds so wonderful. And it also takes effort to get there. And it's like, it takes a little bit of discomfort to get there. Totally. Especially when we're dealing with those internalized systems. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, but I think we can like shame ourselves of like, I'm supposed to be living softly, damn it. (laughs) Why am I so stressed out? But like, yeah, it's a a ride. Like you said, it's not always easy.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would say for me, so I work four days a week right now um, in my own business And probably two of those days feel like really chill and restful and ideal. And two of those days, I'm like, that was a long, hard day, right? Like I'm not perfect. You know, I'm working on it. Yeah. I want all of my days to feel like those restful, chill days, but Mm -hmm. right now I'm still like learning how to do that. And I'm trying things on and I'm adjusting according to how much income I need to make. Like it's not perfect. And I'm not perfect at it by any means. And also maybe sometimes we feel we have seasons that are really easeful Mm -hmm. and spacious. And we have seasons where like life happens and things get hard and then work gets hard. Um, And that's okay too. I mean, I I was on a call yesterday with a coaching client who is just about to do a launch and also traveling at the same time. And things just kind of went awry in her trip. And so she was like, do I even do the launch? Like, it's not going to feel the way I wanted it to feel. And I was just like full permission for it to kind of feel like crap. Like, It's not, you don't have to cancel it just because it doesn't feel this perfect, easeful way. Sometimes we're going to have stuff happen and we're also still going to have to put food on the table. And so the expectation is not to like have it always feel good and easy. The expectation is to do your best to meet yourself wherever you're at at any moment in time Um, and to be flexible and to adjust as necessary. Um, But not like, it's not always going to be wonderful and easy. Um, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And life is cyclical and up and down. So totally. let's say like those four days became joyful and easy and awesome. Like a month later, you'd have a new thing to deal totally. with. Totally. Yeah. Like we're always, exactly. we're always working through something. Yeah. And I think there's this expectation
0: um, that there's like a perfect um, framework or equation or schedule. Like I always have coaching clients ask me like well what's your what's the schedule that works for you or like how do you how many how many clients do you see at a time or like can you give me the perfect formula and i'm like i have it changes literally every month you know or every couple of months where i'm like ooh yeah this is what feels good now and i nail that down and then i'm like oh that doesn't feel good anymore now i have to pivot again you know yeah. so it's this it's so much of it especially when you're like running your own show a little bit or collaborating with people is about um, embracing the like constant dance and constant evolution of what it means to be human and cyclical and not consistent. Um, cause I think everything around us tells us whether it's in regards to social media or just how our days look, that we should be able to show up the same every day. And like, we can't, um, so just embracing that, even if it's hard is like so much, uh, easier, more like loving to ourselves in the long run than expecting it to look the same all the time.
1: Right. And then we feel like a failure and we feel shame and then we just stop doing it all together. Yeah. So if we can expect yeah. those bumps, we can navigate them a lot easier. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And ideally if we can like, I mean, my sort of next, next goal in exploring my own sort of work and schedule is like, how can I build more space in to my week or to my day? So that I can have a bump and not have that moment of like, oh God, now I have to reschedule everything because it's, I've already made space to anticipate that there will probably be a bump of some kind. <laughs> um, and so just, yeah, just even starting to like think that way in little ways. Um, I mean, that can be sort of radical and fun to play with even in itself, but yeah. I'm not the expert. I'm clearly teaching what I mostly need to learn over <laughs> here. So
1: <laughs> Oh, isn't that always how it goes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Mm Um, oh, this is also good. I wanted to touch on. Ooh, maybe one thing will lead into the next. Um, (laughs) you have a course that looks so fascinating about honoring your inner child. Mm -hmm. Can you just maybe explain that course to us and then explain like what it's like to honor your inner child. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So this course is called Embrace. It's just like a little standalone self-study course. Um, I don't actually know if it will publicly exist on my website anymore at the time of this, but if anyone's interested in it, I'm totally happy to like give them access. So let me know. Um, but honoring your inner child is, is a huge part of the work that I do in my in my work with therapy clients. Um, it's been a big part of my own work Um, In my own life, and basically, there's sort of two pieces to it. So I think there's the side where we acknowledge sort of um, the wounding or the pain or the experiences we might have had as a young person or as a kid that we still carry with us, and the ways that we maybe react and respond to situations in the present um, from a more from a younger place. So often, if something happened to us when we were, say, a six-year-old, it can be something small, like experiencing. I mean, nothing's really small when you're six, but like. Being bullied on the playground, we might not consider like big T trauma, but it can have a significant impact, um, or it could be something bigger. And yeah. when we have those really pivotal early experiences about who we are in the world, our identity, our sense of belonging, we often carry them with us into our adult life. And so I know for me, for a long time, there's been like this kind of little six-year-old living inside me who's just so desperate for approval and connection um, that she'll act out in ways that like aren't really in alignment with my adult self. And so part of inner child work is just like noticing what are those younger wounded parts of myself that I can reparent and give love and care and whatever I didn't get as a kid to now, either from myself or others in my life so that I can start to sort of retroactively heal those wounds so that I can then respond as an adult now instead of as that little hurt kid. Mm -hmm. But then the other side of inner child work is also recognizing that we all have this inner child that like wants play and fun and creativity. And a lot of that is sort of, um, drilled out of us as we move into adulthood. And so inner child work can also be about embracing the things we loved when we were a kid or the childhood we never got for some of us. Maybe you didn't actually have access to fun and play and safety as a kid. So how can you create that for yourself um, and create those experiences for yourself now? So I see it as sort of being like two different sides um, to that work. And I love to explore both of them with, with clients.
1: Ooh, I love that. And that's mm-hmm. something I've been reflecting on too. I feel like when I first started my inner child journey, (laughs) it was like very much like this little girl is sad. She's stressed (laughs) out. She's afraid she's lonely. But then it (laughs) like, I started focusing on the fun. Like she likes (laughs) to have fun and she's creative and she's weird and she's silly. And I love that you mentioned, we don't have to just focus on the wounds when we focus on our inner children. hmm Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And I think that for me, often like meeting the needs of that inner child, meeting the needs that I had that I maybe didn't always get of like being connected with and being seen and like, uh, being embraced can actually like meeting those needs. And as an adult can actually come from like letting myself play now and like letting myself do those things that maybe, um, I really wanted more of as a kid, but I was like supposed to just grow up and like figure things out and and all of that. Um, So I think there can be a lot of healing in engaging in play as sort of an act of like reparenting that younger self, if
1: that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, just as a little side note, I just got Play-Doh. If you're (gasps) watching on YouTube, you can see it. And I made a little Play-Doh of my dog. (laughs) I I love that. It's so fun to return to those things that we loved as children. Totally. I I
0: think one way to engage in this is even just to start to notice. Like the other day, for some reason, I was like, I was walking by the toy store in our little town and I was like, I want to go look at the toy store, you know? And, and normally I'd just be like, that's stupid. Like you don't have anyone to buy toys for, but I was like, no, I'm going to just like let myself go into the toy store because I could just feel this like little excited part of me. And so I went in and just like looked around and ended up buying some like cute little stickers that that sort of like inner child in me wanted and I think you know we we when we don't listen to those impulses they often get quiet and so even just practicing starting to like tune in and listen and notice like do I have a craving for ice cream or like you know do I want to cut all this like stuffy that I still have or whatever it might be like letting yourself have that can actually feel so nourishing, letting yourself listen to books that you enjoyed as a kid or watch movies, you know, um, I think can be a really lovely way to, to nurture and nourish ourselves. Cause often those things that felt good to us as kids, like still feel good to us as adults.
1: Oh, I love that so much. And yeah, mm-hmm. like what's wrong with an adult going to a toy store? What's wrong with having a stuffed animal or watching a cute movie? Those things, just like the internalized capitalism, like someone just told us we had to stop doing that. Yeah. we don't actually have to stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. I mm-hmm. love it. Um, have you ever done the artist's way? I have. Yeah. Ooh, I'm on week four right now as, as mm-hmm. we're recording, mm-hmm. but I might be done by the time this comes out, if everything mm. goes as planned and it's so fun. I'm having such a fun time working through it.
0: Yeah I mean the artist dates and the artist way are very similar to like kind of exploring this inner child and I know there's a lot of prompts in that book um that are about engaging with sort of the inner child or those parts of us that were neglected as well so that's like a great resource I would highly recommend um yeah to to listeners
1: as well and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about it once you finish up. Me too. Mm -hmm. There's already been so much shifting in just a month of doing it. And it's a great resource too, because the book was like $20, which is maybe Mm -hmm. a lot, but also like less than like, if you can't afford therapy or coaching, $20 isn't too bad. So it's like Mm -hmm. kind of a nice way to do it on your own as well, if you need to. Yeah, absolutely cool. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Um, well, my last question is kind of tied into all of this, I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, which is about discovering your wholeness.
0: Mm-hmm. That's like
1: the main tagline tagline I saw on your uh, website. Mm-hmm. So I'd mm-hmm. love to hear what you feel about coming back to your wholeness.
0: Yeah. So the way I like to think about this is like, returning home to yourself. I think that's really been like what my journey over the past 15 years has been is like really coming home to myself and for me and seeing myself as whole. So, so some of that is what we already talked about at the beginning of this conversation about recognizing that like, we're not broken, we're not wrong, we're not bad. Um, We're just like responding in actually really normal Appropriate ways to a system that's like really difficult to function well and healthily and supported, supportedly—that's not a word—and to feel supported in. Um, so I think wholeness, coming home to ourselves, is about you know meeting ourselves where we're at um, and accepting that like we are. Most of us, probably all of us, are like doing our best at any given moment. Like I truly believe that. Um, and seeing that within myself and having that relationship of like trusting that I'm doing my best. Um, has been massive for me. I think wholeness has also been about embracing. I mean, I think there used to be a lot of things about myself that I didn't like. And I remember vividly times when I would say like, I hate myself. I don't love myself. I can't imagine ever saying I love myself. And it has taken me a good decade of work to get to the point where I'm like, I really like who I am as a person. I like really genuinely love myself and I don't always treat myself that way, but I want to, and I know I deserve to be treated with like deep love and deep compassion by myself and by others. And I think that is a part of, um, wholeness is like seeing myself as worthy of that. Um, and if you are someone listening to this, who's like, that's not possible for me, I promise you, like it, it felt that way to me six, seven, 10 years ago as well. And so that's sort of, I think a really par, a big part of wholeness is like accepting all of me. There are parts of me that I really always saw as very flawed. Like I'm a big feeling person, like anyone, you know, or anyone I know you ask them, they're like, yeah, she has big feelings. And I used to be like, I'm too much. Like I take up too much space. And I'm like, no, I love that. I have big feelings. Like that allows me to access so many emotional experiences that um, really f- make me feel full of life and alive and vibrant and it's hard and heavy sometimes, but I think for me, yeah, wholeness has been coming home to myself has been a journey of like picking up all of the pieces of who I am and going, how can I love this too? How can I appreciate this too? How can I see everything about me with reverence and acceptance and love and compassion, even the parts that are like rough and prickly? um, If I can see them as like coming from somewhere, as like having an origin story and understand that even those parts that I struggle to accept or love in the context of my life makes sense um, and are parts that I can like, I can work on changing while also still appreciating and accepting them. I mean, really that's wholeness to me. Is it easy? No. Has it taken me like a decade of personal work and therapy and coaching? Yes. (laughs) Um, But I think it is achievable. And I think we start with ourselves and we start with just like, deeply tending to ourselves and meaning ourselves where we're at. And um, I think that, I mean, for me, a big part too has been like rejecting the stories that aren't mine to hold mm. um, as we talked about in the beginning, because I think those are often a wall between us and like feeling whole and feeling like we're enough.
1: Mm. Oh. That was such a beautiful answer, Kelsey. Thank you. Thank you. And I love that you said, like, if you're listening to this and that feels not just unattainable, but like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like when I would hear people say they love themselves, I was like, no, they don't. <laughs> like they're yeah, just saying totally. That. Yeah. They're just saying that. They're lying. That's not possible. Mm-hmm. It's so hopeful to hear that you felt that way. And maybe that I felt that way too. Mm-hmm. And to know that like, there is a world where I think I love myself more than I don't on most. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, Amazing. And just to be clear, are there moments when I'm deeply frustrated with myself or feel regret or guilt? Of course. I'm not like everything I do is amazing. I have a free pass. No, I love myself. Like you would love a kid, right? Like you have a kid and if they do something that's not cool, you tell them like that was not okay. Or if you're frustrated with them, you're like, Hey, that really hurt my feelings. Please don't do that. Right? Like I also do things that are like crappy sometimes. And I'm not like, I love myself. So it's fine. It's like, I hold myself accountable and I am responsible for my behavior. And I am always looking for things I can change and improve. And I do that with love and from a place of knowing I have worth and knowing I'm enough and knowing I'm still good. So I just wanted to like add that piece to this as well.
1: Yes. I love that so much. You still need accountability while loving yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah yeah we don't need we don't need that <laughs> that is the most the
0: biggest comment I get on like Instagram or whatever whenever I talk about that they're like well that's just a free pass to like be an oh. asshole or whatever I'm like no 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 <laughs> that's not what I meant that's so interesting so, that yeah people say that <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: interesting.
1: Ah, social media <laughs> all the ups and downs oh my goodness yeah oh, anyways goodness. I digress <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, one of my worst fears is social media and one of the best gifts have been social media totally yeah yeah
0: it's
1: all yeah so wonderful Kelsey thank you so Mm -hmm. much and I know Mm -hmm. that you said that your resource for us was the journaling with the values on one side and our values on the other side Mm -hmm. um do you have any tips that you want to leave us with about that (laughs) um
0: I mean I think that's a good standalone I would say something else that I like always invite people to start with is just really practicing tuning into your body because ultimately we are animal bodies. And so often in these systems, we have been taught to like, as I talked about in the beginning, just kind of push through and bypass our needs. You know, I even, I find myself still doing this where I'm like sitting at my desk really thirsty, but like, oh, I should just finish writing this thing. You know, half an hour later, I'm like completely parched. I'm like, I could have just gone up and gotten myself a glass of water and felt so much better. So Really tuning into moment to moment whenever you can throughout your day, just checking in and going, what is my like animal body need? How can I tend to myself? Starting with basics, starting with like food, drink, bathroom, rest, sunlight, you know, like very basic things. Um, and for some of you, that might be all you can do if you're like in a corporate job and you don't have a lot of time or you're working multiple jobs and like putting food on the table for your kids. but can you start in just tiny, tiny ways, tending to your body? as a starting point that can be radical that can be activism that can be self-love so um that's my sort of secondary invitation
1: I love that so much and I do that all the time with using the bathroom like I'll be sitting at my desk like working and I like really have to pee Mm -hmm. and then I'm like what, like that could have, I could have taken a 30 second break. Yeah. (laughs) It's wild. Yeah. 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 So
0: how do you kind of not like the general you as a (laughs) listener, like treat yourself almost as like a machine. Like I just have to keep going even if, you know, like, Mm -hmm. no, you're a human with needs. So how can you even in those small little basic ways, take practice, taking care of your needs first and working second and just like, see what that's like as a little experiment.
1: Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you for that challenge. Mm -hmm. And let us know how it goes. If you'd like, you can let Kelsey and I know on Instagram or other places too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Well, speaking of Instagram and other places, how can people get in touch with you?
0: Yeah. So I am on Instagram at Kelsey Mech. Um, you can also find my website, Kelsey dot Um, if you're looking to work with me one-on-one, I'm probably at the time of this podcast, taking on new business coaching clients. Um, and also we'll be opening the doors to the coven of creativity that I mentioned earlier, very soon in the early fall. Um, so feel free to reach out to me about any of those things. And if you're just not tired of my voice yet, you can also uh, listen to my podcast, which is called The Unraveled Life, where I dive into these kinds of conversations with a lot of different folks. Um, so I won't probably be actively recording episodes, but at this time of year in the summer, there's going to be a whole backlog that you can catch up on if you're interested in hearing more about these kinds of conversations.
1: Hey, and I told Kelsey this when we logged on. I didn't know she had a podcast and she explained the premise, which is that you unravel these big topics with someone. And Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to be binging that. So (laughs) I'll invite you to binge with me and listen to all those cool episodes. Awesome.
0: Thanks so much for having me. This has been such a pleasure.
1: You're welcome. Thank you so much for being here.